right. Welcome back, my friends, to the MailRite Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. This is episode 99, uh, and we have a very special guest. He's a friend of mine locally here in San Diego County, uh, Mr. John D.L. Aronson, who is a surfer. He is a contractor. He owns on-the-level general contractors. He is a real estate broker. He owns TAG Real Estate Sales and Investments. Um, he's also involved with Crest Homes factory built housing and uh, well and he lives in one of the best places on earth uh, on coastal San Diego in Lacadia which is part of the Encinitas um, neighborhood uh, now I've, I've taken away all your thunder John go ahead and introduce yourself and welcome to the show <laughs> well can I can I come back in your next be your next recording instead of today I, I, I want to be at 100 <laughs> yeah, we have so many people fighting for that show. You wouldn't believe it. Oh, we got so many celebrities arguing over that one. That would be a good one. <laughs> Can I get in the mix? <laughs> they want to have me back. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll see what our listeners think of you this week, and then we'll have you yeah. back. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself before we dive in. Well, you said it all. That's me. Other than that, I lead a perfectly boring life. <laughs> well, what's left of it? Gosh, when do you have time? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm same age Donald Trump and Bill uh, Clinton are. So you know, I figure I got a few more feisty years left ahead of me. There you go. Re re you know, retirement's overrated, actually. I hear you. I, I, there's no plans of that. Well, of course, when you get into real estate, uh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you ever truly retire. <laughs> no, you don't. That's for sure. Well, I'm going to dive into some questions with you on our topic sure. today. But first, I want to let Jonathan, my co-host, introduce himself. Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of MailRight. We're a Facebook marketing software company, a technology company. And I'm going to throw it back to Thomas now. And I'm Thomas J. Nelson. I'm a residential realtor here in America's finest city, San Diego, California, where I'm never too busy for your referrals. And the good news is where I leave off heading north, John picks up. So you've got the whole coast covered on this podcast. <laughs> you know, that's you just hit a nerve. I didn't realize that. Yeah. We cover the whole coastline between you and I. That's a good, yeah, I like that. <laughs> So the reason I asked you to come on to the show today um, is because I've been reading uh, a lot of your blog posts about what you're calling ADUs, otherwise known as accessory dwelling units, uh, which are essentially a secondary independent housing unit that um, can be, a, as I understand it, detached, attached, or what you're going to have to explain to me, a junior ADU. Um, so bef before we get into all my questions, why don't you just expand on that, John, and tell us what, what is an actual ADU? What are people putting in their, on their properties? Well, they're known by a lot of things. Uh, granny flats, mother-in-law flats, garage apartments, uh, pool cabanas, uh, and any num number of ways and descriptions for them. But what they are essentially is a kind of a, a small home uh, on your own property uh, where your primary residence exists. Okay. And what, what is the primary um, motivation behind people um, putting these uh, on their properties? Oh, multifaceted uh, over any given period of time, either and or uh, both, you know, can be uh, utilized, but primarily to provide uh, housing for grandma. That's the way they it started out with the old granny class. So she could still live with her family. 
Right. Uh, and then it transcended from there into several other interpretations and generations and evolutions and so forth. And uh, a few years back in 1983, uh, the state realized that we were going to be running into a real housing crisis. So they started uh, stipulating and advocating for uh, and, uh, people to uh, add these accessory dwelling units on their property uh, for a variety of reasons, but primarily to provide grandma a place to live. And then that evolved uh, into allowing just for the people who work within a, a, an area. Uh, you have a service sector, let's say the city of Lucadia. Uh, there's a bunch of restaurants and bars and, and uh, markets and, and other types of services that the people that work there uh, with, with the money they make really can't afford to live in their own community. So uh, the state in uh, January of this year came out with a Senate Bill 1069, uh, Assembly Bill 2299, and uh, 2406. Now, don't ask me to decipher those word for word. I couldn't even begin. Uh, and there are some overlays and overlaps and everything, but that whole uh, movement at the state level was designed to put pressure on the local jurisdictions, your counties and your, and your cities throughout the state of California, to basically enhance them or more, through moral suasion and even legal, if necessary, mm. uh, mandate a, a, a situation where people can, A, be made aware of the fact that they can do this and B, be entitled to do it without having to run into a lot of logistical glitches and legal bureaucracies and entanglements, uh, ridiculous permit costs, et cetera, et cetera. Now, is this something that's only in California or is this across the nation? It's spreading uh, all across the nation as far as I can see. I mean, even the feedback I get from folks on uh, uh, Active Rain and Bigger Pockets. Bigger right. Pockets has a lot of activity on, on this particular industry. Uh, Active Rain is just a fun social blog I love to be a part of because I like the people on it. But it doesn't really uh, segue into anything other than pretty much residential real estate. And right. For that, you know, God bless them. They're doing a great job. But uh, anyway, it, it's becoming almost uh, statewide or nationwide. Uh, I've been following uh, Austin. I have a daughter who lives there and she's a smart young lady and uh, she's looking for something to do and she got all her kids in school now so she's got a little time on her hands. But she wants to open up, help me open up the state of uh, uh, Texas, which I'd be more than happy to help her do. But yeah, it is. Answer your question, Thomas. It is spreading like a wind fan fire. Okay. So, I mean, and the reason I bring that up is because we have people listening from all over the United States and outside of the United States. And so this is more than just a California topic uh, and that is coming to them soon if it's not there already. Um, and just a quick reference, uh, you mentioned Bigger Pockets, which is um, an investor um, website and blog site. And then, of course, Active Rain, which is more of a residential realtor blog site, but two of the largest um, in the United States, at least. Um, okay. a lot of fun. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, now getting back to the actual units, let's talk about them for a minute. So, uh, first of all, these are, um, uh, living, uh, residential dwellings. Um, they're, um, essentially are they a kit? I mean, this is something that comes unassembled to your house, kind of prefab and then gets put together on site. All the above. You can, you can actually, um, utilize just about any type uh, or method of construction or installation you, you prefer. 
the most popular today anyway is what they call site built or stick built where you're actually having an architect design it for you and then uh, you know you do your permitting and your preliminary site work and then you, ha you you have a crew come in or a contractor and actually build to suit build the way you designed it okay and that's that's the most common method uh, but now with the advent of modular manufactured and prefab housing there's a lot of competition coming into the arena as well so and the, and these are self-contained they have their own plumbing electrical telecommunications they do and and that you bring up a good question or a good point actually uh one of the one of the obstacles that the, the, the local jurisdictions the games that they've played over the years has been to stifle or stymie an individual's uh, ability to move forward with these just by making it so cost prohibitive. And they would make the person who wanted to add that accessory dwelling unit onto their property pay uh, for individual dedicated runnings of utilities, which is in the construction, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's when you can oh. step right off of your home right. and, and service the thing. Now, the only area you run into that might pose a problem is if you're on septic. Okay. You got to do a little bit more math and see if you're a viable candidate. Some sometimes you're not. So okay. that that there it is. Unless you did, dig a dedicated well, I'm not sure that's too legal in too many jurisdictions. Okay. So, but I mean, ide so ideally, you're you're just pulling power and plumbing from the main house. Exactly. Okay. So, and then how? Let's get into the the zoning and the and the logistics of this. So. Um, is, is this something that bypasses um, a home that normally you couldn't add a second unit, but there's something about this particular, uh, the, these ADUs that allow them to go into somebody's backyard where they normally wouldn't be allowed to put up a structure? Well, yeah, on all the above. Um, it, it essentially, back in the, in, in, well, before AB or before SB 1069 was enacted, which was January of this year, the cities and counties that I mentioned earlier were, were playing people like crazy and, and, and making them incur all kinds of additional costs. So that was the reason that was invoked. And along with that came some, some zoning ordinance changes, which means the size of the lot, uh, the amount of space within that lot. You still have to meet the, the local jurisdiction and the state and federal guidelines uh, for uh, setback requirements uh, due to fire and other types of issues sure. uh, and, and then possibly drainage. I've seen that happen as well. But, you know, they, they basically make it a lot easier for anybody who meets the basic qualifications, which people have to get educated about. It gives them the ability to do this legally uh, and without a whole lot of resistance. It doesn't mean that there isn't any because there is. There's been People in San Diego especially have been having a difficult time trying to get their arms around this whole thing. And I'm speaking of the cities, the ju jurisdictions. Right. Um, county being one of them. County's been mm, not the, they're not the easiest people to deal with no matter what. When it comes <laughs> yeah. Counties can take forever. I can go down to San Marcos or the city of Oceanside and pull a counter permit for the things we do in manufacturing housing where the county will say, okay, well, it has to go into plan check. That's two to three weeks, two to $300, and it's going to take six to eight weeks. And that's the way the county is. So they're a very, they're like a turtle and, and a pack of rabbits, you know. They're just coming out of the hole rather slowly, but they're going to have to do it, or there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. Okay. hope I didn't overrun my 
explanation there. No, no, no. We need details because, um, I mean, now I have a couple other questions on the actual structure. Can, uh, first of all, are these, um, cons they're modular in the sense that they're not attached to a foundation? Well, no, modular actually. Uh, there's, it, 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 they're uh, prefabricated or factory built housing comes in a variety of ways. Uh, the, the first and most well-known was the, was the house trailer. Right. And that's now been classified as an RV, so it's no longer part of the housing thing. Then came what they call pre-HUD mobile homes back in right. the 50s to the 70s. Right. Six that changed, and it came uh, uh, what they call HUD manufactured homes, which basically uh, are legal in just about every scenario, but there's a lot of traps you don't want to get yourself into. In fact, that could be a subject for another show entirely because that's a nightmare with a lot of people. And then you have modular. Uh, modular is built in a factory, goes down the same assembly lines, manufactured homes do, almost identical. Uh -huh. Difference is they're, they're mounted on their own chassis. They're not mounted on a trailer chassis like a manufactured, a HUD manufactured component is. So they're lowboyed on a lowboy truck uh, to the job site, and they're either crane lifted or rolled onto a poured in place foundation system and, a, and affixed to that foundation. And that has to comply with all the local jurisdictions and or ordinances manufacturer okay. doesn't manufacture is state and federal so it supersedes it when i put my my units in 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 lacadia I, I didn't have to go to the city i had to go to the state to pull all my permits get all my inspections approvals everything that's, okay. that's modular so uh, but but modular again i'm sorry goes to the the local jurisdictions and ordinances and then you have prefab which uh, is basically what they call in the trades a flat pack of uh, flooring, wall, and roofing systems that okay. are transported to a job site and then installed by a local contractor. And when you say flat pack, so essentially that just shows up like a kit that gets as assembled on right. site. Exactly. It, it is a kit. Okay. And so, so the classification of the structure you're building has a lot to do with uh, the red tape that you're going to encounter. So it, that plays into the decision of uh, what type of unit you're actually going to um, produce in, you know, on your property. Or what's viable. What, what you, what, like, for, in, in many cases, a, a modular or a manufactured home wouldn't fit unless you could crane it over the top of an existing structure Gotcha. because of the access. So you'd have to go site though, unless you wanted to go. And people do it all the time. I mean, we use, you know, cranes are common. Okay. Uh, can these units be powered by solar? absolutely zero net energy wow nice yeah you can go net zero however you say it yeah but but uh it, no it, it uh that's a beautiful thing about it you can be totally off the grid with with the one the one that i represent i don't want to advertise myself but i mean the one i do represent a particular flat platform uh, line they're off the grid totally and, and designed that way and they got a bunch of really neat features about it, but that's not what you're asking me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Part of the point of you being on here is to promote yourself. So what, what is the company you're affiliated with? Uh, it's called Avava. That's A-V-A-V-A. -A -A. All okay. A's and B's. Andrews and Victor's. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, so, and that's the company that you're affiliated with that's bringing these um, ADUs to uh, San Diego. Correct. Okay, yes. gotcha. We're, we're, we're going to be their first distributor in the country, and we plan to work with these guys on a, on a rather broad level, uh, hopefully nationwide. The, um, 
these units themselves, um, what are the um, sizes that you can um, build? Like, like, are these like studios? Are they one bedrooms? Can you build a three bedroom? I mean, what are, what are the limitations? Well, there are, with this particular company, there aren't really any limitations in, as, as far as the size is concerned. With their unique design and engineering features, they're actually going to be getting into regular uh, full-size homes, 1,000 to 1,500 square feet and then beyond. Yeah, they got a very incredible technology, but they're starting with the ADUs and because they feel that's where a niche that they can fill instantaneously, and I think they're right. They're on a roll. I mean, they're they're hot to trot right now. The timing and the positioning for ADUs with the law going into effect at the beginning of the year and the awareness to the affordable housing crises has brought a lot of this to a head, and it's almost going to be a natural. I'm like a zeitgeist almost. It's going to just spread yep. like a wind fan fire. Yeah, I mean, I could see where this is going to impact uh, not only our housing inventory crisis, but in as you mentioned before, um, it's going to improve people's lives because now the the waitress or the mailman that works in an expensive neighborhood to buy in could possibly afford to live in that neighborhood because he can rent an ADU from a, a homeowner locally uh, rather than commute 30 minutes away, which, you know, in San Diego is really an hour, hour and a half commute wise. That's correct. And, you know, that's an interesting point you bring up. Uh, a lot of folks are going to buy into that whole thesis that you just described and because out of the goodness of their heart. I mean, there are nice people in this world that do want to help people. So you will get a fair amount of folks that are going to be uh, doing it for that intended purpose. But you're also going to get, you know, the opportunists and the entrepreneurs are going to say, oh man, I got myself a nice little Airbnb or, a, you know, and, and totally ex exploited. And, and, right. and, and, you know, this is, part of the American, uh, our democracy and our, our capitalistic system. So I, I don't begrudge anybody to making a buck, but you're going to, that you're going to be dealing with both sides of the coins and the, and the jurisdictions know that. Right. So that's one of the problems that they don't want to deal a lot of cities, especially, and you know, the ones I'm talking about, Yeah. you're having a tough time with them with anything. Cause they don't want, they don't want Airbnbs. They don't want VRBOs. They don't want vacation renters. They if you, like one year minimums. 30 day minimums at the most, you know, in most areas. And that, right. so you're going to have that thing that's going to be going on for quite some time. But, well, and we were facing that here in San Diego. They were trying to stifle the Airbnb and um, vacation rental by owners and so forth. Um, I think it's more, you know, well, of course, parking's always an issue. Um, and, but what I, what I was seeing it more as is the city just was trying to figure out how to get, their piece of the pie tax wise. Um, you know, San Diego uh, is one of the, uh, yeah, I've lived in uh, a few counties in California and San Diego is the first county that I've seen aggressively go after um, homeowners of uh, rental property. You, there's a, um, an additional um, fee you pay to own a rental property here in San Diego. A TOT. Yes. <laughs> Transient occupancy tax. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you, bud. <laughs> well, let me, um, I want to go back to the structure for a minute. So what would um, lead someone down the path of one of these ADUs over just adding on to their existing property? Well, adding on to the existing, you mean the, the, the existing structure? Right. If they're assuming they, let's just assume they've got a 5,000 square foot lot. 
Uh, there's already a single family home on it, maybe 2,500 square feet. Um, they've got a sizable backyard, um, but why not add on rather than um, add a second unit in their backyard? You can absolutely do that. You, you just defined almost to a T a JADU. Ah, okay. Let's talk about that because I was a little confused about like, what, what the difference is. Like, what is a JADU versus an ADU? You just defined it perfectly. I don't know if I can beat that one. <laughs> it basically means you can extend beyond your footprint and, and, and provide and build another room, essentially. But okay. it has, has certain elements. And uh, this is where studying that uh, bill a little bit that really helps you as an individual because you know it's got to be uh, uh, self-contained to a point uh, there's it's got to have I think a, it's a dedicated exit door okay it's got to be kind of like a private dwelling uh, or you can use an existing room on the inside as long as you could convert it that way and, and where they also had their own bathroom etc so that that is a JADU for all intent and purpose Okay. And just to remind uh, everyone listening, when we're re referring to the ADUs, we're talking about accessory dwelling units. Um, okay. So I want to ask you about uh, property taxes. Do you know, um, are, are these taxed like new construction or how do they play into your property taxes when you install an ADU? Well, they're added on. Um, I, you know, a lot of that stuff you have to talk. It's another individual thing, but I mean, we're doing it right now. We're we're adding a two-car garage, and uh, with it with a one one and one over the top garage apartment. Oh wow! Okay, this this is what you're doing at your personal property. In my own home. And, okay. And it's, uh, and it's it's our primary residence. We've had it for 35 years, and uh, we we you know we just need another garage, so. We're, and, and I figured it might be a good time. And since you're going to have sticks and bricks on your property, you might as well just go the distance and add that second floor. And then you got a place to, you know, I got five kids and 14 grandkids, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting tired of messing up my house. <laughs> so you need someone to I stick love them. I'm dedicated. But, I, you know, see ya. <laughs> There's your room. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man! Oh, before I hog all the airtime, I want to check in with our co-host Jonathan sure. and uh, see. Jonathan, do you have any questions you want to uh, send John's way before we go to commercial? Yeah, well, I was just listening to the conversation. It was fascinating. And um, John, one thing um, that did occur to me, you know, with the traditional building. Um, in some ways, that's become modulized anyway. You know, rapid building methodologies are a lot of elements are built off site, aren't they, and brought onto site. And then, and so the idea that um, there's some, um, I'm looking for the right word in here, there's some kind of um, snobbishness about manufactured homes. But the reality is what ma what is manufactured and what is built um, on site emerging anyway. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. If, if I'm gleaning your question, I, it, there's always been kind of a stigma associated with manufactured homes. That, that's a proven point because they weren't always very attractive. In fact, we used to call them wobbly boxes. <laughs> 
you see them going down the freeway 55 miles an hour back in a 60. Yeah. You know, and they were just bouncing all over the place. And you'd, they'd get to the site, and you'd have to re-rack them and almost rebuild them on site again because they were just little cracker boxes. So, you know, and they opened up thousands of these mobile home parks all over the United States during the 60s and 70s, the gold rush year, you know, for mobile home for manufactured housing. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that. It uglied up neighborhoods, and now the homes are even older and in worse shapes. The infrastructure are falling apart. So yeah, they're they're kind of a blight in many respects in in, in that in that area. But the the fact of the matter, and in answer to your question, the, the technology right now and and the incentive to build off site and deliver on site is un believably prolific it is happening it is going on all over the world i mean you can go to any country in the, on the planet and you can see factories that are building structural components for the residential or the commercial real estate market sweeping the nation no doubt and it will be the precedent and you have less waste you have more of a controlled environment for all your materials your lumber especially you don't the termite issues i i Back in the day when I used to strap on a belt occasionally, I, and I'd sit on a pile of wood that was just delivered to the site and be attacked by a swarm of termites. <laughs> Before those sticks ever got off the, off the pallet. <laughs> you put out the buffet for them. Yeah, and that doesn't happen with factory bill housing. And you don't get warpage and you don't get theft. And, you, you know, all of a sudden, you don't get damaged. You don't have a lot of uh, leftover scrap. So, yeah, no, I can go on and on and on about the, what, in answer to that question, but that it's going to be pretty much the, the new rule. You're going to see a lot of the site-built guys. And my, my own son, who builds right here in North San Diego County, lives in Solana, building a house right now in Solana, Old Solana Beach, right up by Fidel's. He's building the only new house going up on Juanita. That's my son's. And, you know, it, 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 he's feeling that. He's starting to see it. He, he was actually talking with Avava about the possibility of building part of this house with the Avava structure, but you can't interrelate the two structurally. It, it doesn't, it, they just can't do it from a design and an engineering standpoint, so he had to avoid the idea. But anyway, he, he, he's starting to see and, and realize the potential. And he's got good framers. He's got crews that have been working for him for years. They're loyal to him. But now they're they're seeing the light. They're saying, "Okay, fine. You know, let's well make the transition. We don't mind taking walls off a truck that are already built with all the electrical and plumbing running right through the walls and all the insulation, and then you put those up and you that. You know, I mean, that's it's a piece of cake. You can do it in like one fourth the time. I love it. Oh, I didn't they, realize that. So they they come <laughs> pre wired and pre plumbed. So you just connect. You just connect everything. That's correct, and that's wow. the way it is predominantly with prefab housing, not just Avava. Avava has some unique features and patents above and beyond, which make it a remarkable, incredible product from a, just not only an engineering standpoint, but it's seismically rated. That's another thing we haven't even oh, touched on yet. Right. And yeah, well, that to me is big. Yeah, for most um, Californians. <laughs> well, I, I've, been in, I've been a disaster response contractor for the last 30 years. Oh, wow. I didn't and know I've, I've responded to just any kind of, you, you name it, we've responded to it. I was in Florida for a year after Hurricane Charlie. I was in Simi Valley for two and a half years after the Northridge earthquake. Yeah. I was in Whittier after the Whittier earthquake. We've been, we've been, I guess, chasing tornadoes for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> 
the um the other feature because um i'm based near to reno john and we got the tesla mega factory being built um is in production now and it's really around the production of batteries and tesla do this battery which is linked to solar panel technology and they're producing um a technologies that i would have thought will be totally suitable for your type of housing solution oh without a doubt in fact to take that a step further uh, you're kind of almost getting off into lithium which is a whole different deal and probably the main reason that uh Tesla bought out in that area because supposedly that's a, one of the biggest finds of natural lithium in the world. And right now we're dependent on South America and the Middle East for lithium. So, yeah, yeah no, I think, I think you're dealing with a whole different technology. They, uh, there are roof panels now you can buy, metal roof panels, that you can actually spray the stuff on, uh, whatever that is. I, I don't even have the vocabulary for it, but you can actually spray it on and that creates a photovoltaic, if you will, type energy enough to electrify a home. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. There's all kinds of, the b- building is absolutely, that's the reason I can't get out of it. I mean, I sure I got my broker's license, but I, I, I love construction. I love design. I love all, you know, innovation and, and it's, it's all happening like at rapid fire succession right now. Well, you know, and Johnny, I mean, you and I have been part of many discussions on Active Rain over the changes uh, in the real estate industry because of technology and apps and uh, the the big Z monster and so forth. But I mean, it sounds like that construction, uh, one of the most traditional industries going, uh, is seeing uh, the effects of uh, technology as well because. from what you were saying, your son's probably going to ride the crest of a new wave of construction uh, requirements um, that are going to change the game on what the traditional contractor was used to. No, he, he's he's one of many. I mean, they're all uh, kind of seeing the light, as they say, and 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 you know, the it's that the only constant in life is change. And you know yeah. what? I'm so glad to see the construction industry going this way. It's going to be totally high tech. A good part of it's going to be automated, which means it's going to be a lot safer, which means you're going to have a lot fewer injuries and people with, you know, long-term uh, issues to deal with for, because of construction site accident, uh, accidents. So the whole industry, to me, uh, is getting a huge facelift. And I think it's going to be better for everybody. You'll be able to build cheaper, build quicker, provide more, do more because you can take existing structures. I mean, we got a country right now that's 200 years old plus, maybe 250. And there's there's a lot of old stuff out there that needs to be replaced. And you, and you don't need to be tied up on job sites for 10 years to get it done. You need, you, know, you need to be able to get in and get out as quick and as fast as you can. That's the way they're doing things in China, in Japan, in the Middle East. I don't know if you've ever been. I've, I've never been in the Middle East. I've just seen the pictures. But my partner, Dan, uh, has been in the Middle East several times. And Abu Dhabi, Dubai, he describes that to me all the time. They have gone up overnight. They've got big hotels standing there that don't have anybody staying in. They just built the city. It's like the field of dreams. Build it and they will come. <laughs> They're still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Jonathan, I think we should probably take our commercial break and then we'll come back. Yeah, sounds a great idea. I really enjoyed the conversation with John. 
We'll be coming back in a minute, folks, and we'll be discussing some of the elements of um, what I think will be a revolution in um, housing in the next few years. We'll be back in a minute, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back, folks. um, We're going to let Thomas take the lead again. Off you go, Thomas. All right. Well, we are talking with uh, John D.L. Aronson, who is discussing accessory dwelling units, among other topics. And uh, John, there's a couple of things I want to get um, back to, a couple of questions I um, still have running in my brain here. So when you put an ADU on your property, um, are assuming you have, let's just say you have a 10,000 square foot lot. Now, uh, you know, w- the neck of the woods of California I come from, an average lot's uh, about 5,000 square feet. So this is uh, a sizable backyard. Could you do more than one unit? Are you restricted to how many units you can put? Um, yep. as- yes, you are. I didn't mean to interrupt your, uh, your closing there. Yeah, it, it, uh, that's it. Yeah, one unit. Oh, only one. Okay. Right. So- now, a lot of folks, believe me, especially where I live out in the, in the Bunner Creek area in Vista, uh-huh. Uh, they've got stuff you won't even believe, and it's never been permanent. I mean, it. I don't even want to go there, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe a motel. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, if you had, um, if you had acreage, is this something that you could uh, put more than one unit on, or it's really limited to one per yeah, site? Exactly. Yeah, you have to start getting into stuff. And in fact, they have to meet a certain size. Now, there are instances, that's a good question, um, where they build the ADU before they build the home. Oh, yeah. I, I had a client do that out in Alpine. They, they actually um, built a small um, kit-style log cabin to live in uh, while they were building their main house, and then they were going to keep the cabin as an uh, in-law unit. And an AD, yeah, there you go. And, and I, you know what, Tom, it's going it's to be great for real estate in many, many ways. It's going to, uh, there's a lot of investors right now, and I'm one of them, uh, looking for properties where, that are big enough to uh, put uh, an old, uh, you know, or that already has, an, I'm sorry, already has an old small home on it. And, right. But enough room, according to all the setbacks and zoning issues that you have to deal with. Right. You still put your primary residence, and I and I'm I've actually seen it, I've, and I've I've been very inspired by what I've seen. These people, uh, and I won't say where because it's a fresh farm, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 but it's going to be going crazy. And there's a there's a lot of areas like that, and, and you're really lucky too because you live in and around a lot of that peak area. It, yeah, going into the economics of it a little bit, it, it, an ADU, sure, they sound great and everything, but they're not good for every zip code. And, and I hate to say it like that, but it, it depends on the value of the home as to the incentive of the, of the buyer. Okay. Uh, if it makes financial sense for them, they'll do it. And I, I guess to try to get down to some basic arithmetic without getting too technical, um, if, if you take a, a, a home – um, let's say in the 92024 zip code, 
where the average square foot price, on, on, you know, in that whole zip code is, is well over 600 bucks and as high as $10,000 a square foot. Wow. You're living in Rancho Santa Fe, you're right. living in Levenheim, you're living on the cliff uh, in, in uh, uh, between Cardiff and, let's say, Lacadia, La Costa Avenue. Right. And, and, and properties are selling like crazy. You know, and, and, and so you've got value there and people can afford this eh, jump change to some folks. I'm not trying to be trite, but some folks can just whip out money and say, hey, do it. Uh, but you get into an area like my community in, in, in the area that I live in, Buena Creek, isn't in that range. It's, it's right. a community and there's a lot of nice homes out here and a lot of nice folks. Been here 35 years, love it. But it, the, 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 cost, the square foot cost, I'd feel, unless my neighbor just came to me and said, put one of these on my property, I, I would not try to uh, lean on them or try to sell them uh, an ADU at this point. Right. It's, it's cost for square footage. Right. Well, and then, of course, on top of that, um, will the, you know, if you use it for an income property, will the cash flow, um, based on the area you're in, is there a demand for it? Exactly. So let's talk about that for a minute because that's something I haven't even asked you about is what, what is the average cost of doing one of these? Like if you wanted to put a one-bedroom ADU in your backyard, what are you looking at cost-wise? And I realize you can customize them, but just a ballpark. Well, well we're, we're, we're still trying to wrap our arms around that one with, with Avava. And we're, what we're coming to terms with is we're going to have to – you know, spell out two different cost factors and, and cause people want a starting point. Right. They don't want to, well, let me see. I'll have to get back to you. I, you know, got to come out and see the property and got to do this guy. They want a starting point. So we're going to separate the cost of the product from the cost of the permitting and the site preparation installation. Right. And that so to get just to the cost of the Avava, let's call it a strippy in the, in the car industry, they call it a strippy. That meant you got to, you know, they, they'd had your lost leader that you advertised. Right. And the no bells and whistles. And then they get you know, 500 for the, the white wall tires. And, you know, you know how it played out. Well, essentially, it's going to be happening that way in the ADU industry in general, because there's other companies out there that produce product lines. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was trying to hide that. <laughs> no way you're going to hide that. <laughs> Well, um, so so is, is this though something that um, I mean we're talking a hundred thousand uh, dollars for the the basic cost two hundred thousand dollars, I mean what do we? Um, you hit the nail pretty much on the head. You're you're going to be looking at a they, they, their square footage starts out I think it's two hundred and sixty six square feet. Okay. Which you're not going to buy that. Um, the the next one go and that's like just strictly a little studio with a bathroom. It's, yeah, it'd be like a little office or something. Almost like a tiny home. I wouldn't yeah. without wheels. Right. <laughs> but uh, and then you can there they've got a uh, three hundred and sixty square foot, which is a larger studio version okay. with a bathroom uh, and a little maybe a kitchenette type feature. And the bathroom's like even a half bathroom, but it does have a shower in it. Just no time. And then you can go to a 480, which is what uh, we're, we're looking uh, with our garage apartment. Right. Uh, we were zoned. We have to stay 480 square feet, but we can maximize with overhangs and, and cantilevers and uh, posts and stuff like that. We can put a square, up to a 600 square foot 
uh, granny flat above the garage. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so you can yeah. overhang the, the, the second, the first floor. Can, uh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You're posting beams and cantilevers and stuff like that. You can do a lot architecturally with that, but mine unfortunately has to be all site built because, and we didn't get into this either. You have to comply with the local architectural theme. And you do that, even if you're not in an HOA or a CCNR community, you have to do that. Uh, the county requires it on all the homes, like out in Rancho Santa Fe or, uh, you know, anywhere in the county. Uh, a, good part, a good part of Vista in the area that I live in is, is all county. Okay. So, in other words, if the average home in the neighborhood is a Mediterranean-style home, right. you're not going to come in and put this postmodern, you know, <laughs> octagon uh, ADU in that's bright pink. Correct. And, and okay. they could, I wanted to put an ADU on, on, on my garage, but we just couldn't come to terms with the, with the design. And because I have a one-story California ranch, right, you, you, it's going to be hard enough as it is trying to digest putting, you know, a, a two-story uh, ADU, and it's closer to my main street. So you got the aesthetics, but we are going to meet the roofing requirements, and we're going to meet the stucco requirements, et cetera, et cetera. So. Okay. Um, you know, you brought something up earlier. You and Jonathan were talking about, um, you know, the, the mobile home, which in what, it was it about 76, 77, they became manufacturing homes? June 15th, 1976. That's the date to remember. If every realtor, well, no, I, maybe I don't want to promote that. If every <laughs> realtor knew the difference between June 15th, pre-HUD, right. 1976, and then HUD manufactured, we'd probably be out of business. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the certification and, and the retrofitting, the foundation of the business. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and I, um, I've, uh, over my career um, handled maybe two or three of those sales and you last year helped me with the third one of my career um, that I sold up in uh, Escondido and um, it was an education because I'll tell you um, the stigma I mean and first of all I mean I, I actually partially grew up in a, a double wide mobile home it was a vacation home up in uh, Napa County uh, in the wine country but um, it was um, what you were talking about, the, the, the trailer park boom of the 60s and 70s. That's exactly when it was built. I'm dating myself. This is back in the early 70s. And, but it gave us the opportunity to own lakefront property um, within two hours of our primary residence. So it was, it was quite an opportunity. And, um, you know, the, when you're in those communities, you don't see it that way. But, of course, you hear other people talk about it because, you know, uh, it's been the butt of a lot of jokes uh, living in the trailer park, but they're now manufactured home parks. Um, and I mean, basically when you're inside them, you wouldn't know the difference between being in a, in a manufactured home and a, and a regular uh, single family home because they're all, you know, drywall and uh, you know, all the materials you would expect, granite countertops and nice cabinetry. I mean, when you, you, you're, you're one of what I consider one of San Diego's experts in this department. I mean, do you still p see people struggling uh, with resolving to buy one of these in lieu of buying a single family home or a condo? It, it's diminished dramatically since the, the recession. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people have humbled down. 
and, and they're not as concerned about whether it has a trailer hitch underneath it or not. They just want to roof over their head. And, and what, you know, I mean, you know the way things are with San Diego real estate right now, the housing shortages and low inventories and fast, you know, things are, I think, starting to normalize a little bit. And it's the, 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 what do you call it? The, the feeding frenzy is, is kind of like, I think, personally, it is kind of like subsided somewhat. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, instead of 24 offers uh, on a house, we're only seeing about 12. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And, and days on market, I'm starting to see that, at least in, in my little farm. You know? Yeah, well, and um, we are starting to see a little bit longer market time for certain price points, but... Um, but you bring up a good point because it is a, I mean, it's the difference of, you know, you can go down to Metro San Diego, that, meaning around the Balboa Park area, North Park, get a two bedroom, one bath, hundred year old craftsman home, and you're going to spend somewhere between six and 800,000, depending on where it is and the condition it's in. Um, yet you could go to one of these manufactured home parks, buy a three or four bedroom, spend maybe two, two fifty. And now you've got um, a lifestyle that is much different than the one that you would be in in that little two-bedroom, one-bath. Um, but it's that getting over that hump of, hey, I, I'm living to a manufactured home park. I mean, Well, well it's a stigma for sure. And, and you, you hit on another good point. You hit on a lot of good points today, Thomas. <laughs> well, that's my job here. <laughs> no, the, the, the transition, and I see it when I, I travel all over the country doing these things. I, not as much anymore. I, I got back in 2006 after Hurricane Charlie in Florida, and I, 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 I built some places down at the beach for my wife and I and a couple of my kids and stuff just to, to have to be close to the beach because we like to surf. And like you, you know, we want to be close to the water. So we, you know, got, we didn't buy a $3 million home. We bought, you know, a couple, about, I, I own five mobile homes down there in West of five, which is a nice little place to own. Very nice. Yeah. And, but they're all, I say I own the home, but I lease the land. Right. Right. And, and, uh, and one instance that where we put a couple of a uh, kind of hybrid two stories, I'll have to have you up and have you check them out someday. Um, we, we put a lot of money into the park. So I told the park owner, I'll do it. But I'm not going to do it in, you know, on the come and have you start jacking me around on my rent. I want a long-term lease. So I got a 35-year lease. Oh, wow. And nice. We own three spots in that one little park. And, and I also have a right to sublet, um, which uh, that's another good point we got to talk about here a little bit, um, if I want to, for a minimum of a year. Okay. So, so, yeah, long-term leases. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and they, they, they don't want the circus, you know, same thing. Right. And that's most mobile home parks. You cannot sublet period. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. But in rental parks, it's they, they almost every single park has an exclusion for subletting. But there are some parks, at least here in San Diego that, I mean, because uh, the one I mentioned from last summer, um, you, where you own the land too. Right. Um, now in those cases, you can rent those out. Not always. Oh, okay. So it depends yeah, on the park room. HOA. Yeah, they, they um, you know, there's, I won't mention the names of the parks, but like you said, there's several uh, red conversions, you know, right. condo or subdivision conversions, or even some planned unit communities, which are, you know, PUDs that were, were built from the ground up as factory built. You know, they, so we've got them salt and pepper all over the place. But the, the homeowners associations and the CCNRs, of all these little uh, resident-owned communities dictate 
the, the renting policies, and almost every single one of them does not allow uh, a temporary rental. You're not going to get a VRBO in a right. Park. Yeah. So you got to do your due diligence ahead of purchasing if that's your plan. Uh, Precisely, and you don't want to you don't want to get stuck buying. And, and again, I won't go into cities or parks or any of the any name calling here, but a lot of these parks are so old. The infrastructures go back to the '60s, right? And and they're worn out. And I'm talking about the main lines, the gas lines, the sewer lines. I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure stuff that needs to be addressed. That you know, some of it's getting addressed, but it's a long, slow process. And then you got the issue of the landlord, no rent control, wanting to keep raising the rent. And the high, the, the adage in the industry: the higher the rent, the lower the value of the home. Wow. Some communities like Oceanside and Escondido tried rent control and I don't know how that worked out, but. Well, you know, something else I wanted to bring up because I know we're running out of time here, but a, a lot of these parks are on land leases. And um, like, for example, the one I um, grew up in as a second home in uh, my childhood, um, we no longer own it because the land lease was up. And when it was up, the owner kicked everyone out. There's not a single manufactured or mobile home left in that whole um, area. It was, it was called Lake, Lake Berryessa oh, uh, up in, up in Napa County. Uh, right. And uh, the, but, and then we saw that happen again here in San Diego with Fiesta Island out in Mission right. Bay. Um, yeah. So when you look at a property that's on a land lease like that, like w at what point is it, um, getting too, I mean, like what, what, what's your level of comfort buying into a place with, with X amount of years left? Like what's your cutoff? Well, I know the park we're in is not land lease. The gentleman that, that owns the, the park owns the property. Oh, okay. So it's fee simple. You know, okay. there's no land lease. Um, I'm not aware of any of those five parks that uh, are on lease land. They, uh, every single one of those properties, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are they own their own land. Okay. So, yeah. So we're not running in that situation, but let me answer your question. Uh, pers per like you, uh, I had my own, we've been brought up in traders too, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I lived in a mobile home several times actually in my life, but uh, we, we had the, the privilege of having a little place in this a little single wide, uh, but it was right on the beach up in Laguna. It was called El Moro. Ah. And it subsequently turned it into Crystal Cove State Park. But for over 50 years, our you know four generations, our family uh, enjoyed that being walking right out of the right down the deck and right onto the sand and right out into the water. It was just a bliss. Yeah, like all things, the only constant life has changed. And uh, through a series of negotiations, the state uh, was able to get uh, the land that Crystal Cove and El Moro Cove sat on uh, in exchange for giving the, the, the Irvine family some favors back when they needed them. So yeah. and, and a lot of land in, in Newport Beach was leased, like Lido Isle, those homes were all leased. Okay. Irvine Company wanted, the people wanted to buy their homes, they wanted to buy their land, they had the money to do it. So right. the Irvine Company put this deal together and so doing, they gave the farm away to the state uh, to, in, in 20 years, they were going to kick us all out. Well, it took them over 40. It took them almost 50 years to, to get us out of there. Oh, wow. Right? Treasure Island, same thing down in, in, in uh, South Laguna, where they now have the, the is it the Montage Hotel, that real high-end 
uh, luxury hotels, $1,000 a night. Uh, it's out of my pay grade, man. I'll take your <laughs> they word had for little, it. They had little trailers right there forever. <laughs> but, but it took them like 30 years to get them out of it. When I moved to San Diego in 1980, they were litigating Fiesta Island. Okay. There are, what, what's the other one? What's the, the other name for it? Um, I can't remember. It was Adele Webb, I think. But it, I mean, and that just got resolved, what, two years ago. So, I mean, it took them, what, 30 years? So 30 it's, years. And, and, you know, my, my family loves to get to camp. So we, we spent a lot of time down at Camp Land because they got the you know, bike trails and you take your paddle boards and go out and, you know, with the kids and right. float around and stuff. But uh, my wife and I always take our bikes and we always ride around that whole thing, the whole island. Look at all the homes with interest. <laughs> Been there, done that. I was even thinking about bidding on the job to clean the thing up, and I, eh, I'm, t- I'm tired of that. I'm over it. <laughs> Go make some money selling some houses somewhere, there putting in go. some ADUs. <laughs> well, John, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. We, I've learned a lot, and I hopefully our listeners have too. Um, if people want to get in touch with you as a contractor, as a realtor, or for these ADUs, how would they do that? Uh, 760-815-6977, or they can uh, email me, uh, and that would be San Diego Guest Home, all one word, and that would be uh, at Gmail. All right. That's, that's the email address. All right, so they can call you or email you, and we'll put your contact info and websites up on the show notes um, I want to thank you again for uh, joining me here today. And uh, uh, Jonathan Denwood, you want to let people know how they can reach you? Yeah, I just want to firstly say to John, it's been a fascinating conversation. I think we covered a lot of things, but we also um, covered some really big subjects. And I personally feel in America and in Western Europe, some new um, ideas and new attitudes are really needed to try and solve the housing crisis that long term can only get worse so i think we've touched on big subjects really um how to get hold of me um it's quite easy folks um it's at, you can either email me at jonathan at mail-right.com got any questions about the podcast any people you like us to interview any suggestions, just email me. It'd be great to get some input from our listeners that are growing. And uh, Or you can get me on Twitter. Um, that's at Jonathan Denwood. Or our Facebook page, which has got a few people that's following it. They're the ways, Thomas. All right. Well, thank you. And I'm Thomas J. Nelson. You can reach me on social media, and especially Facebook, or my website, thomasjnelsonrealtor.com. want to remind you that I'm serving San Diego County on the coastal side, and I especially focus on my military friends. So if you're in the military, coming or going, I'm the guy to see. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, once again, John, thanks for being our guest today. And Enjoyed it. All right. Have lunch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we'll see you next week for episode 100. I'll be back. <laughs> bye bye.